UpToDate wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. Everybody gets three strikes. Everybody gets four balls. Everybody gets a home run ring. Knock it over the wall. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Brian Ellison. Monday is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a national holiday that gives America a chance to remember and reflect not only on the life and legacy of a great civil rights leader, but also on others who've seen progress and who still see a lot of work left to do toward racial equity in every city and state. Today to guide us in some of that reflection are two men whose stories are inextricably tied with work for civil rights and justice and also with Kansas City. We welcome the man who's singing you've just heard, music legend Danny Cox. Welcome to you, sir. Welcome to you. Thank you for having me. Well, it's a, our privilege, truly. And we're also joined by phone today from with by former police officer, mayor pro tem, school board member, what hasn't he done, <laughs> Alvin Brooks. My uh, hero. <laughs> Al, thanks good so morning, much for being good here. Morning. Good morning, good Alvin. Morning, How good are morning you? you doing? Thank you. Thank you. Good being with you this morning. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. It is our pleasure and an honor to have both of you here. And there's a lot to talk about here, but Danny and, and Alvin, I, I wonder if you could share a little of what this day, what Martin Luther King Jr. Day means to you, what it's for, and what you hope people are thinking about on this national holiday. Danny? Well, first of all, um, you have to really go back in time to see what the country was like when Martin Luther King stood up. You know, we were assassinating our leaders. It wasn't just, uh, you know, something you did on a podcast. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This was serious business. Mm. And so uh, he, he was an amazing human being. He was brilliant. I don't know if most people know, you know, his academic scholarship. He was just a brilliant human being. And that brilliance allowed him to see the future and to, and to map it out. Yeah, that doctorate wasn't honorary. Yes, it was not. He was absolutely brilliant. And, uh, and, he, and he had with that, the heart. I mean, when you can put those two things together, your heart and your mind, I mean, you're, you're unstoppable. Hmm. You have to get rid of them because they're just, uh, uh, I mean, it's just, uh, it's so powerful. Alvin Brooks, what, is, uh, what does this day mean to you? What do you think about on Martin Luther King Day? Well, I reflect back upon when Dr. King first came on the scene, and I think that many of us in the African-American community and, and certainly some in the liberal white community probably saw this as, as, as a Moses of the, of the 20th century who came in to, with, with a philosophy and with a nonviolent uh, movement uh, to free a people. And I think that as I reflect back and see now over those years, I sometimes ask myself, how far have we come? And I say, not far enough. Yeah, and there's still enough. a lot of road to travel uh, to make things right. And now today, of course, we talk a lot about equity and inclusion and diversity. And uh, it hasn't come to pass yet. And I think until we have a color consciousness, not color blindness, but a color consciousness about where we are as an American and where we are as Kansas Cityans, I think we still have a long, long way to go. I know the two of you know each other and have yeah. uh, have spent a lot of years together. But... We're the usual suspects. <laughs> Alvin and, and uh, Congressman Cleaver and I, whenever there was you know, a free community service and a bad chicken dinner— 
<laughs> the three of us were there. <laughs> I think I think I think I'm I'm somewhat older than Danny, and therefore uh, I, I think I have a little more experience than he has. Now I, he's not told his age yet, but everybody knows that I'm ninety. So he's I, ninety. I, yeah, I, I can't get away from that. <laughs> well, I, you, you, no one would ever know to to see how active you still are. That's the truth, uh, Alvin Brooks. Uh, D- Danny, I want to ask you about the song we actually opened mm-hmm. with. There, three strikes, which uh, sort of sets baseball as the territory where some mm-hmm. some sort of equality can be found, and and the the longing for a world that's more like that. That's been a part of a lot of your music. How did how did that come to be? Well, you know, this is from a, a, a musical I wrote called Fair Ball about the Negro Leagues. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've always tried to use my music uh, to be as an activist. I started going to jail in the eighth grade. That's when I was first arrested in civil disobedience. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. They didn't know what to do with me, you know, because they had this kid. And and I've tried to use my music my whole life to, to talk about equality, fairness, uh, uplifting, uh, all of those things that uh, that will, will make us better as a community. Do you uh, do you feel like you did that uh, from the very beginning, or is that something that you sort of grew into in your music? Well, I, from the very beginning, I, I grew up in the church, which can't have any more uplifting music than that. Yeah, you know. And my uncle had a very famous quartet called the Silvertone Gospel Singers. Actually, it was seven guys. It wasn't a quartet. It was seven <laughs> of them. They called it a quartet. And, uh, and, man, that's the music I grew up with, you know, uh, full of energy, full of hope, full of desperation also at the same time. And so, uh, so that that's, was the path I was on musically. And, and Alvin Brooks, when we look at your life at that, that same time period, you weren't making music. You were, uh, you were working in jobs. You were working for the police department. You were working for the school district. But that, too, was a part of uh, inspiring and, and helping uh, build a vision for a different world. And while in 1964, I became chair of the Congress of Racial Equality and known as CORE. And so, and and just prior to that, as I heard Danny say that he was arrested, my wife was being arrested for me. I was on the police department, <laughs> and I never shall forget that they had a confrontation at Fairland Park. That's a place where it was supposedly for the public, only for white, white only. And my 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 wife and a group of others got arrested there. Bob Farnsworth, the late Bob Farnsworth, and. Danny Cox, I wanted to ask you about your how you actually came to Kansas City because you've told the story of your first trip to uh, Kansas City, Missouri, oh, and it's, yeah. it's, it wasn't a very favorable introduction. No, 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 it was not. We was remember the old hoot nanny days. We came here to play at the uh, Legion Hall, and uh, my sister and I were the only two black people on the tour. And it's interesting because I owned the tour. <laughs> it was your tour, <laughs> yes, and. Uh, we came to the Mulebach Hotel, and it was so funny. They didn't even bother to say, well, we've lost your registration. We've lost, you know, anybody. The guy just said, looked at me and said, ain't no N-words going to stay in the Mulebach. Hmm. Just straight to our faces. It's in 1963. I mean, it wasn't yeah. too, too long after that that the, the federal law would have made that illegal. As a matter of fact, when we came back, I came back, I played in uh, Columbia, and uh, the guy at the uh, uh, Daniel Boone Motel Hotel said to me with pride, he said, you know, if you had come here last year, you couldn't have stayed here. 
<laughs> but then you could. So so what happened that night in Kansas City when you got turned away from the Muehlbach? We went to Kansas City, Kansas. We went from a slave state to a free state. My God, how different it was. Just a couple miles away. Just a couple of miles away. And there was the Holiday Inn. Remember, it used to sit there, and uh, they didn't know what had happened to us. They just welcomed us, and it was it was so apparent, you know. Between a slave state and a free state, it was just so apparent. Hmm. We'll be right back. Uh, Alvin Brooks, are you back with us? I'm back with him. I don't know what happened. I'm, I haven't moved an inch. And my bill is paid, but <laughs> <laughs> so, sometimes the uh, the phones just don't cooperate. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming coming back. Uh, we were talking about Danny's first experience in uh, Kansas City not being such a great one. You've you've been in Kansas City uh, even longer than he has. You've done a lot of things. Take us back to one of your experiences in the 1960s, if you would. The, and you've written about this in your autobiography. It's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty gripping chapter. Take us back to the day in 1968 when, uh, when Dr. King was assassinated. You were working for the Kansas City School District at the time. Yes, I was at the school district. I left the police department. I said earlier that when I got, when I, I dropped you, uh, the fact that in, in uh, I, when I was on the police department. My wife uh, got arrested. I was arresting people, and she got arrested at Fairland. <laughs> Park, which was a public park for white only, but it was it was just prior to public accommodation, and even after public accommodation in 1964, when I left the police department, they still wouldn't uh, allow blacks there, and so a lot, a lot of people were arrested, and then finally they closed it down. But my experience in in 60, 1968, in that that whole period, I left the police department in 64 and went to the school district, and and now we're talking about the city-ins, and and even in in 1967, the riots around from, from Newark particularly was one, and then we had our own homegrown uh, riot here that began April 9th, 1968, which was a memorable moment in our history, and I think a lot of people thought we'd made a lot more progress mm. because now we're in post-Dr. King days, uh, 1957, and of course... Uh, uh, but and this was the death, his death day on the fourth of April. And that went that next week was was riots and and and, and uh, six black men were killed and nothing was ever done. And so those experiences today stand out in my mind as I see the number of incidents that are happening around this country. Can't see no different as it relates to relationship between the police and the African American community. And of course, there was a report that came out that uh, Dan Ike Davis, the mayor. They put out the 15th of August of 1968 to study what happened. Why was there a riot in Kansas City? And I think if, if, if you look at that, and the same thing that they talked about in 1968 is the same thing in 2022-23 that we're talking about in Kansas City and other parts of America uh, here. And so progress, yes, but how much progress? And, and, and not enough that we, we find ourselves as, as a free nation land of the free and home of the brave, and it just ain't happened yet. One of the things I was struck by in your account of, of that week in Kansas City in April of 1968 is obviously the, a lot of riots broke out right after uh, Dr. King's assassination uh, on April 4th, but that didn't happen in Kansas City. The riot happened 
uh, the next week, the day of his funeral, and it was related to the, sort of this institutional decision, right? This decision not to close the schools, right. even though you and many other black leaders in the school system and in the city said that they absolutely should do that. But there was this institutional uh, decision that led to violence. And, you know, it's interesting because there were there were three black men, myself, one of them, and, and seven or eight white men who met at the school board that Monday night. Uh, James Hazlitt was a superintendent and was in Washington. We didn't have speakerphones then, but uh, the decision was, what should we do tomorrow, which was Tuesday. This was Monday evening. And um, it has been notified or had been publicized that the Kansas City, Kansas School District would be closed. And so it was our position, Dr. Robert R. Wheel and Dr. A. Lee Campbell, and, and myself as our position, don't open the schools. Because the kids in Kansas City, Kansas are going to come over here, and plus the kids over in Kansas City, Missouri school just going to feel that, well, you're not honoring uh, the death of Dr. King as, as other schools that she's across the river. And, of course, we were not listened to. We were outvoted. And then that morning, uh, it, it all everything broke loose when, when the kids began to come out of school and, and marched and everything. And then there were gas there at uh, at uh, 12th and uh, Red south of City Hall, between City Hall and the courthouse, and then even went to, to out to Holy Name Catholic Church, where Father Timothy Givens, who was, the, who was the priest there, had opened it up, and John L. Frazier with the black radio station, KPRS, uh, announced that, that it was open because they had teen towns every weekend. Went out there, and the police threw tear gas inside the school. Mm. Those kind of things certainly uh, was, was not good for the city, not good for the African-American community, not good for the city as a whole. And I think that, that those kinds of things really stuck into the minds of, of, of the folks who felt that we had arrived, that things were, were much better than, than, than they actually were. On this day when we are preparing for the national holiday, remembering Martin Luther King Jr., we're talking with Alvin Brooks and also with Danny Cox. I want to listen to another one of your songs, Danny, that speaks to racial justice and uh, and to, to social equity. Let's take a listen. But before we do, let me ask you to set it up for us. This song is called Black Lives. Oh, uh, yeah. what, what, what drove you to write this song? Uh, well, you know, I was, I was looking at the murder rate, and we know that relationship between uh, the white community and the black community. But within the black community... We're killing each other. I mean, and that's a hard thing to say. You know how difficult that is to say, especially in this time when you're talking about police brutality and you say, well, yeah, that's true, but we're killing each other. And, uh, I mean, we got to do something about that. Let's take a listen to this that This is song. my song, my son Joseph singing this. I wrote it and played the music, but my son Joseph is singing. Let's take a listen. The song is Black Lives. In black lives really matter, and they tell me why. Oh, why are we killing each other? Somebody say why? Tell me why.
uh, Danny Cox's Black Lives and his son singing that song. And Danny, I want to I want to ask you, and I'll ask you too as well, Alvin. You know, part part of the answer maybe to that that question we we dealt with uh, we just had on our show earlier this week the story of uh, one of the last homicides of 2022, uh, a woman who. Uh, who was trying to get her children back out of foster care and had turned her life around, but uh, a person that she had dated just sort of out of the blue shot her. Um, and we, we explored in that story how, uh, how the, the, the whole range of systemic inequities and injustices, the, the breakdown of the system that even as she was turning her life around still had her in these difficult situations in her life. I mean, does that get to some of why change has been so hard to, to bring about? Well, I think it's, it's a couple of things. First of all, uh, you have legal change, which is fabulous, but social change, whoa. You, in order to have social change, you have to have new songs to sing. Just think of all the anthems we just sing. I mean, we need new anthems. We're going to gather together. We have to sing something differently. Hmm. You know? Uh, That social change is a long time coming. It's the hardest. We can structure it to allow uh, the legal change to happen, but the social is the hardest. And, I mean, if, I mean, look... Look at the stories we're still talking about. We can go to biblical stories. (laughs) And it's the same story Mm -hmm. today, you know, about the relationships with people. It seems that that's that's, that's the hardest. Alvin Brooks, where do you you see questions that still remain unanswered? Well, you know, I I certainly agree with Danny when he, and and in his song, the question has to be raised, but there, there are answers to why, there's more violence in African-American communities than there is in other communities. And I think because the, the structure itself, the, the racism and the indifference, uh, the, uh, the not, not legal segregation, but in terms of, of uh, how white flight and all those kind of things. And, and we find today that, that the conditions, and I, I would hope that, that, that our listeners, and, and, and I've, I've presented this to a number of, of organizations, including the city council, uh, at, at times, uh, that if you just read that report of uh, August fifteenth, nineteen sixty-eight, and you look at what the recommendations were as a result of that that committee's report, and compare it to what we are struck, still struggling with today, and we're talking that was nineteen sixty-eight, and that's that's over fifty years, if my math is right, and so we're still today in the same situation to a great degree. But I, I, I guess I'm an optimist. And I think that that with with minds that are uh, are for uh, that that not only deal with one's own race or religion or one's own culture, but also be conscious of what's happening to other persons who don't look like them. And I think that, that there are conditions that we must be able to deal with, and must be able to to deal with head on, and not just lip service, but I mean really dig into it. And 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 Dan is right. Social change does not come easy. Uh, people like the, the old way, the way things were. They used to be. And, and I think we have to move beyond that. Now we're here in an, an, another, another year and in the 21st century. And, and we as a nation, we as a city have to understand that, there, that inequality still exists. And that there, and, and, and in the last few years, we've seen a, a, a rising up, an uprising. Uh, of, of things from from bigotry to racism and and, and other isms 
that, that are not good for a people, uh, a free people, uh, in, in, a, in a nation that has some of every ethnic and racial group and religious group that there is in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and here we are, 330 million people, the 6 billion people, and we become that, that mecca, if you will, of, of, of what uh, humanity ought to be about and what I think the Creator created us to be about, the likeness uh, and, 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 uh, of the Creator. And we're all connected some kind of way. And, and sometimes I think that we, I hopefully and pray and pray that we'll realize that, that we're connected. Mm-hmm. Therefore, when there's an injustice against one of us, and then there's an injustice against all of us. And, and, and somewhere along the way, we'll begin to live that kind of life and move towards that for everybody. So, you know, let me ask you both. I hear in both of you this sort of tension that I hear a lot from folks both who have been involved in the civil rights movement of of the past and the present, but also who are working for other kinds of social change and other kinds of uh, equity and equality in society, which is this tension between uh, uh, pessimism uh, and uh, awareness of how much progress remains but also optimism and hope, a belief that something's going to get better. You have to live with believing that even as you continue to be disappointed by, by society. So I guess my question to you is, is how, do, how do you get past the pessimism and keep working with the hope? Go ahead, Al. Al? Well, I, I think, I think you, you know, you, by, by, by your faith, your faith gives you, gives you hope and, 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 uh, through that faith, I think there's, there's a consciousness there that you say, I must do what I can. I must speak out. I must even act out. And, and as, as, uh, as, uh, as John Lewis said, the late John Lewis, good mm-hmm. trouble. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to get involved in yes, good right. trouble. And it's against the grain. It's against the, the institution of racism. And, and you have to deal with it. But first of all, you've got to identify it. I mean, anyone goes to the doctor, head, stomach, whatever they're and if, if a doctor first of all tell you to take these pills and go home and call me seven days later, that's how you got to determine what what causes your headache, your stomachache. And we as as persons need to find out what's 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 wrong with us as a society, uh, and 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 look at it from a, a realistic vantage point and deal with it honestly. But well, Danny, help me come to you with the same question. Yeah, well, the the thing that uh, gives me optimism is the questions that we are asking. Just think about this. We we never ask questions like, uh, is it okay to kill a black man? You just strung him up. I mean, we're asking these questions that we never asked before. And, and I think that's the most important thing because it is in the dialogue that it happens. If the questions don't come up, the dialogue doesn't change. Yeah. The dialogue remains the same. So it's about asking the right questions. Yes, that's what gives me the optimism, the questions we're now asking. Before we let you both go, I just want to ask how you plan to spend this uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. I think think Al Brooks is back with us. Are you back again, Al? I'm back, yes. Thank you. All right. We we got we 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 did I think we got you almost to the end of your sentence uh before. So I appreciate <laughs> appreciate your persistence with the phone connection this morning. Um so yeah, how how are both of you going to be spending uh, this particular Martin Luther King Jr. Day, Danny? Well, we're going to remember on the very first Martin Luther King Day, my two daughters put on their little pom-pom outfits. They were just I think 10 and 11 and they wrote signs 
and they marched around the neighborhood hmm. saying, Martin Luther King Day. And we will never forget that, these two little girls. And so we'll remember <clears throat> just his greatness, that's all. I, I, I get emotion, emotional when I think about him. I'm getting tears in my eyes right now. Hmm. Uh, he was a special human being. Alvin Brooks, how will you spend this MLK Day? I've got, I've got to speak twice tomorrow and twice uh, once, uh, twice tomorrow, once on Sunday, uh, and and once on Monday. Oh and I, I, I just, I just, I, I, I'm a person of prayer, a person of faith, and I think I have quiet time. I'm, I'm a widow, and and I, and, and I don't, I, I this, this is. It's the place. This is sacred ground. This is hallowed ground where I am now, <laughs> and and I and I, I pray for for a change of mind. I think that there's power in prayer, and I think that 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 I'll spend some time just meditating after I speak, uh, and and it, it, it's something that I think that that is time for a lot of meditation, but 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 dealing with reality, and and so I that's that's the way my and, and even today, there's, there's a, a, an event today, and Metropolitan Community College is having its King celebration today, this morning. And, and, and so I'll have a busy weekend, uh, and, I, and I look forward to it. Well, that is uh, the, the legendary Alvin Brooks, and uh, we've been joined by the legendary Danny Cox, two great figures in civil rights and justice work here in Kansas City. Thanks to both of you for spending today with us. Alvin, what a pleasure it is so to hear your Always voice, good brother. To be with Danny. Good. Good. <laughs> Wonderful to have you both.